If you would look with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians to chapter 1. The book of Ephesians in chapter 1, I'd like for us to read verses 3 and 4 of this chapter. Ephesians chapter 1, I read verse 3 and verse 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. These are verses that we have looked at, referred to on many occasions down through the years, hope to refer to them many more times. But at the same time, I cannot help but wonder if we have paid close attention to what we are reading. I've mentioned to you, I know, that familiarity many times is the enemy of Bible study and knowledge. We assume we already know what is there. Many times we just pass on to something else. The title of our message today is Three Blessings. Three Blessings. As you look at verse 3, have you ever noticed the three blessings in this verse, as we read it again, notice them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Again, in this one short verse, we have the matter of three distinct blessings. The first one I want us to look at is blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are words that, that Paul used on other occasions back in 2 Corinthians and in chapter 1 and in verse 3. There he did write, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter wrote in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 1, in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very unique statement. Our text says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it certainly does not mean nor infer that we are able to confer a blessing upon God. We simply cannot do that. It is impossible for us to confer a blessing upon God. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ does not need, nor can he receive anything from his 
creatures. He does not need anything from us. It is an absurd idea of Arminian theology that in order for an individual to be saved, they must give something to God or something to Jesus Christ. It is an absurdity. I'm sure we've all heard the idea that in order for a sinner to be saved, they must give their heart to God. Or they must give their heart to Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the Word of God is that taught. That idea simply is not based upon Scripture. What the Scripture does tell us that God gives a new heart and a new spirit. He does not require us to give Him our hearts. What would He want with our corrupt hearts? Our sinful, depraved hearts. Again, I will say, to bless God is not to give God anything, nor is it for us to confer a blessing upon God. I think the word bless is misused on many different occasions. Over the years, I've been asked many times, at a meal, would you say the blessing? Well, I don't know what that means, say the blessing. What we do is ask God to bless. We don't bless the food. We don't say a blessing and repeat a blessing. We ask God for a blessing. When our scripture tells us, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, again, it's not that we give God anything. Notice this, if you would, in the book of Psalm. And in Psalm 50, I want to read verse 12. In Psalm 50, notice what God said. Psalm 50 and in verse 12. If I were hungry... I would not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. If you have an interest, you might note Acts chapter 17, I believe it's verse 25. It, God does not need anything. He's not lacking in anything. He does not need a blessing for, from us or for us to give God anything. To bless God, what is that? What does the scripture mean when we are told to bless God? Well, it means we are to reverence God. We bless God by being humble before Him. We bless God by acknowledging Him in all things. We bless God by being thankful unto Him for all things. We bless God by our true worship of Him. In our text in Ephesians in chapter 1 and in verse 3, we read of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this brings to mind the divine trinity. And the trinity is a, a mysterious thing unto us. It's something that no mortal fully 
understands three persons, but yet one God. None of us can fully nor adequately uh, explain that. Our, our common word uses is the first person, the second person, and the third person in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But notice in our text, the first person of the Godhead is referred to as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first person of the Trinity is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We often think of Jesus as the Son and God as His Father, and rightly so. But how often do you think of God being the God of Jesus Christ? Our text tells us He is both the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How is it that God is the God of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you from the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah in chapter 42. And I want you to notice that Jesus is God's elect. Chosen of God. Isaiah 42. And I'll begin in verse 1. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens, stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Certainly it is a prophecy and a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, Behold mine elect, in verse 1, chosen of God in the covenant of grace, to be the mediator, the substitute, the savior of his people. 
As I've mentioned to you before, in the covenant relationship, Jesus humbled himself and became submissive under the will of the Father. Look in the book of Hebrews and in chapter 10. In the book of Hebrews and, and in chapter 10, I'm going to read verse, verse 7 through verse 9. Hebrews 10 verse 7. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now that is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings for, uh, and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Back in the book of John and in chapter 4 and in verse 34, Jesus said, My meat, that which nourishes me and sustains me, is to do the will of the one who sent me. As the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, he prepared a body for Jesus Christ and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was here upon this earth, he prayed unto his God. He trusted in his God. He obeyed his God. In our text in Ephesians 1 and in verse 3, He is both the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is certainly the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and He is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of not by natural generation or human generation, but by an eternal generation. Again, something hard for us to understand. He is the eternal Son of the eternal God. He is the only begotten of the Father. Jesus is not a son of God as angels are sometimes referred to as the sons of God. He is not the son of God as even Adam was referred to as the son of God. Again, he is the eternal son of God. And again I'll say the Trinity is a mysterious thing just beyond us to fully understand. But notice this in John 20, if you would. In John chapter 20, while we think of the words of Ephesians 1-3, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus made this statement in John 20 and in verse 17. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet 
ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. Here's an amazing fact to me. God is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the very same one who is the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ is also both our God and our Father. Galatians and in chapter 1. The book of Galatians and in chapter 1. Verse 3, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Of God and our Father. I want to also read in the book of 1 Thessalonians and in chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians, and in chapter 1, verse 3, Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Now our text again, Ephesians 1, 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first blessing that I find in verse 3. But notice the second one. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It's an amazing statement. Have you ever just... Pause there and give this some consideration. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Hath blessed us the most undeserving of any of God's creatures. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. That little word all there in verse 3 in my estimation is the largest and greatest word there. He has blessed us with all every spiritual blessings with no exceptions. Is that not what the word all means? He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Everything that is involved in your salvation is certainly a spiritual blessing. Many other things we could consider, but concentrate upon that. Everything involved, from the smallest detail to the largest, in your salvation is a spiritual blessing. Look in Second Peter and in chapter 1. In Second Peter and in, in chapter 1. And here I'll read verse 2 and verse 3. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. 
through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Again, a good place to pause and just meditate. Everything and all things which pertain unto life and godliness were given unto us by God. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing. We had nothing by nature which pertains to life and godliness. Everything we have by nature is right the opposite of that. Everything that pertains to both life and godliness were freely given unto us by God. For he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. By nature, we were dead sinners. Dead in trespasses and in sins. But quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was God the Father who drew us to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to read that. You ought to know it by memory. But I want to read that in the book of John and in chapter 6. John and in chapter 6. And in verse 44, these are the words of Jesus. If anybody does not agree with this, they're disagreeing with Jesus. If anybody does not like this, they just do not like what Jesus said. John 6, verse 44. Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me Draw him. That's a spiritual blessing. Being drawn unto the Lord Jesus Christ. No one is saved separate and apart from faith. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Well, if you read Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 8, faith is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. It's a part of those all spiritual blessings that are given unto us by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is required in salvation. Repentance. Well, it was God who granted repentance. Everyone here, I assume, is a Gentile. Turn with me to Acts in chapter 11. Acts and in chapter 11, and I want to read verse 18. Acts 11, 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted Repentance unto life. It's not some action you took on your own outside of the power and blessing of God. If you repented, 
truly repented, that repentance was granted unto you by God. All spiritual blessings. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm certainly going to notice it. In Romans in chapter 8, you could begin reading in verse verse 29 and verse 30. And everything that you see there is an action of God. It's something that God did. It's a part of those all spiritual blessings that are given unto us by God. Notice the wording there. And as you might read it and notice it, you'll find that little word he there over and over and over again telling us this is something God did for you. This is something God did. It's a part of the all spiritual blessings. Now, back in our reading in our text in Ephesians in chapter 1 and in verse 3, We must be careful to note that all of these spiritual blessings are given unto us in Christ. We do not have any spiritual blessings separate and apart from Jesus Christ. They are all given unto us on the basis of God's sovereign grace and the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read Ephesians 1 and in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It ought to point out to us the great importance of being in Christ. Ephesians 1 3, there are no spiritual blessings that do not come to an individual separate and apart from in Christ. In Christ. Well, it brings the question how is it that any individual is in Christ? I can assure you it is not through the waters of baptism. In Christ. It's not in and through any action of man. There's nothing that you and I did to place ourselves in Christ. But notice this in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. In 1 Corinthians and in chapter 1, Keeping in mind all spiritual blessings are given unto us in Christ. I began reading in verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen. Well, you could stop there and spend the rest of your life and eternity thanking God for this. But God hath chosen. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why did God do it that way? The next verse. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Then note verse 30. But of him are you in Christ Jesus. Again remember Ephesians 1.3. All spiritual blessings are given unto us in Christ. How is anyone in that position of being in Christ? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, it's a work of God. Of Him are you in Christ Jesus. Now go back again to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 and I want to read verse 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. According as he hath chosen us in him or in Christ. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of of the world. Now this choosing of us in him or in Christ is the very same thing as these being given to Christ. Here we find that wonderful Bible doctrine of the election of grace. Choosing us in Christ. Of him are you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to go back to John in chapter 17. And those familiar with the word of God know that Jesus is praying in the words that we are reading. In John chapter 17 verse 1, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. To as many as thou hast given him. If you drop down to verse 9, Jesus prays for these and he says, I pray for them. And he says something next that startles many. He said, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. In verse 11 he said, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those 
whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Verse 12, he said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And I'll go to verse 24. Jesus said, Father, I will, that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. No one can possibly read these words with an honest mind and not realize God the Father gave somebody to Jesus Christ. No one can honestly read the scripture and come to any other conclusion than God the Father gave somebody to Jesus Christ. I'm going back to John 10. In John chapter 10, Jesus is in a confrontation with some Jews who were disputing with him. Verse 24, these Jews came round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand Notice his very next words. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. My Father which gave them me. If you're in the book of John, back up just a little bit to chapter 6. And read with me verse 37. Again the words of Jesus where he said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. All that the Father giveth me. Again, that means every one of them, without any exception. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Well, what about those who live their entire life here upon this earth and never come to Christ. Well, it's evidence that they were not given to Christ because Christ said, all that the Father giveth me comes to me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Now, if you look back to our reading in Ephesians 1 and in verse 4, 
Again, in verse 3, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him. But then if you note the next words, you'll find that the time of this choosing excludes anything that we might have done to secure this position in Christ. The reason for that is this choosing took place before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. Now, keep verse 3 and 4 together as God has them in his Bible. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. The blessing of us in verse 3, with all spiritual blessings in Christ, is according, you know the word accord. If things are in accord, they're in agreement. Well, the blessing of us with all spiritual blessing in Christ is in perfect agreement as God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ did choose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. These things are in perfect harmony. They are in perfect harmony. All spiritual blessings are given unto us in Christ according as he hath chosen us in Christ. There are no spiritual blessings outside of Christ. There are many material blessings outside of Christ that are freely bestowed upon elect and non-elect, believer and unbeliever alike, all experience many blessings from God, but spiritual blessings, all spiritual blessings are reserved for those in Christ. Reserved for those in Christ. And remember 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, of him are you in Christ Jesus. You cannot take any credit at all. For being in Christ Jesus. He has chosen us in him. Now before I close. Notice in verse 4. The purpose of this choosing us in Christ. Blessing us with all spiritual blessings. God's purpose is clearly stated in verse 4. That we should be holy and without blame before him. There are those who say this doctrine that is taught in the word of God, of God choosing, God's election, promotes sin. There are those that deny what we've just read from the scripture plainly today and say they will say if that's true, that promotes sin. If God has chosen some, even chosen them to salvation, then they could just sin all they want to. Well, I'm sure they sin more than they want to. But notice what the scripture says. 
Does the scripture say it promotes sin? Or is the purpose of all of this holiness? Holiness. The scripture says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We strive for that now. None of us attain that perfectly now and completely now. But it's ordained of God. One day we shall be. One day we shall be. I want to read just a little bit further as I close here. We read verse 3 and verse 4, but let's read verse 5 through verse 7. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Of course, that's Jesus Christ. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. 